The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living. You know, our dreams are pathways to the deep inner world of ourselves. They inform us of what we're up to, both on the plane of the truest self and on the plane of the ego. I like to think of dreams as riddles given to us by the authentic self to guide us along the pathway to an authentic life. Our guests today are experts in the arena of dreams, co-founders of North of Eden, the Center for Archetypal Dream Work in Vermont. Mark Bregman and Krista Lancaster bring a broad base of experience to their work, offering personal and archetypal dream work retreats for individuals and other therapists as well I think, as, I think, corporate entities as well. Mark is the author of three book series called The Deep Well Tapes, subtitled Sex, Trauma, and Conjunctio, The Secret of the Pomegranate, co-authored with Susan Marie Scavo, and Hubris of the Heavens, Archetypal Dreamwork and Rudharian Astrology, also co-authored with Susan Marie Scavo. Krista, authored, Krista, I'm sorry, Krista Lancaster co-authored The Deep Well Tape Sex, Trauma, and Conjunctio with Mark and Susan, a book in which she has written her spiritual memoir, Vessel. Today we're going to be talking about the power of dreams to bring you clarity about your journey. Welcome to the show, Mark and Krista. We're so glad that you've been able to take up your time and energy to give to our listeners today. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea, for having us. All right. Well, I guess, you know, uh, first thing I want to do is tell our listeners this. Um, we are, we'll be accepting email. I am online uh, right now, so I am accepting email. If you guys want to send me some email with a question for Mark or Krista, please feel free to do so. Um, but uh, if you wait till the last segment, I probably won't get it till after the show is over, so that, then it'll be too late. So if you want to send it, send it now or send it over the next couple of segments then we can perhaps get some questions answered if you'd like. I'd also like to apologize. I, uh, in the promo, I said that uh, Krista and Mark co-authored all three Dreamwell tapes, but as you've just heard, that's incorrect. Mark wrote two of those books, and Krista co-authored Sex, Trauma, and Conjunctio, and the other two books were co-authored with Susan Marie Scavo. So I just wanted to make that correction for those of you who are interested in following up and, and going to their website and finding out more about them. So, okay, Chris and Mark, I'd like to hear how you got started into dream work. That's an interesting story, I'm sure, and I'd like to hear about that from each of you, if you don't mind. Well, uh, first thing I want the audience to know is that the work is one-on-one, and even though we have uh, five retreats a year where we do the dream work with groups, uh, basically it is a one-to-one work, and we offer, uh, we have a lot of students that are, have graduated to have clients. I want to offer that. 
Um, as far as myself, uh, uh, Krista was a client of mine for 20 years or so and has now been, she's a partner in North of Eden, which is recently the last six years. So, um, and uh, it's the kind of work where for me, uh, you know, I think Carl Jung in the Red Book, you know, really shows what he was really doing with the dreams, but that's only coming out this next month. I think, really, um, if you want to know how to do dreams, you're going to have a hard time because most of the material is very uh, aggressive as far as how dreams need to be dealt with. And um, my guidance could not really directly come from all the college and, and the books and it really came from within my, myself, and I was very fortunate to, uh, as I was working with folks on their dreams, to be hearing from the inside exactly what I was to say and why. And over the course of 40 years of doing this work, I, uh, I, I now know why. Uh, in the last 20 years, it's kind of gelled in my mind that's, uh, kind of slow part of per, per, persons, what exactly what this was all about. But fortunately for my clients and myself, I just said what was shown to say without knowing what the point was. It didn't sound right often. It sounded aggressive. It didn't make sense why dreams would be so confrontational. It didn't make sense that dreams um, would disagree with the dreamer, which in my training was that the dreamer is always right. Well, I was learning very early that the dreamer is mostly wrong because what they think is true um, is not, and the dream's first priority is to show us what we think may not be true in order to begin the work of showing us what is true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and and don't we often come at dreams from the idea of sort of a self-judgment or self-recrimination? Exactly. We don't really. It's always the dreams like the approaches from a blind spot, so how can we see it without help? It's very difficult. Yep, absolutely. So what about you, Krista? How did you come to to be interested in dream work? Um, Well, I really wasn't interested in dream work at all, but I arrived in Vermont... um, you know, fleeing a bad marriage when I was 29 years old, and um, I really had no idea sort of how to proceed. Um, and someone quite inadvertently handed me uh, Mark's card and said, go see this man. And I didn't even really know it was dream work, to be honest. Um, I just showed up, and um, I, I kept showing up and um, t- telling him about my dreams and um, being confronted about uh, just what we were speaking of, uh, the, the ways that I had sort of made a hash of my life um, were sort of sh- thrown back at me, and I had to really look at how I had contributed to that and, and what, it, what, it I, what it was in me that had um, created sort of uh, quite a mess that I had uh, of my 20s. So I, I really came through the experience of working with my dreams to... Uh, through my own experience to find uh, my life changing and um, and as I did, um, I n- began apprenticing with Mark and working with um, my own clients and um, then had got to experience the other end of um, of seeing other people 's lives change so I think for me you know it 's been a very personal journey and then 
that and showing me that there is no there is no sort of generic way to to do this and um and I think that's the thing that's the reason why the dreams have continued to and uh, continued to be a life path for me because uh they are unique and particular and anyone who follows their dreams finds this that um that there is no general rule um about dreams yeah and and I think that there are people out there sort of perpetuating that method, mythology that there is a general rule that there's a, if if you dream about this it means this and if you dream about that it means that and and so what you guys are saying is that no not necessarily no, right, and the way our work works, I mean, one of the conundrums with uh, Jung, with his uh, students that uh, practice now, is that you can't trust the uh, the analyst. And though I don't disagree with that, you can't trust the dreamer either, so where do you start? And um, the fact is that there's a methodology that, uh, as I said, the first long time I just did what I was shown, and then I had to figure out then I kind of saw why and when I saw why it was it was uh, I had to change how I thought about it, everything because the psyche's way of dealing with us is opposite to how we think so you can't think the way you normally think and interpret dreams as it were so one of the methodologies that we that we use and there's another book coming out called the practitioner's guide that really works specifically on giving the reader some understanding of the methodology, which really has a lot to do with your personal relationship to the symbols and the images and the experiences in the dream. Unfortunately, most people who have the dream will always go for the easy excuse or the easy story or explanation. But really, underneath every image, every story, and I like the way that you uh, when you started the show, you kind of presented it in a really intelligent way um, about dreams, showing you about your ego as well as showing you about your deeper spiritual soul, and that is so true. Uh, in the first stage of work, though, it's often about, um, as Krista brought up, you know, about our way that we're responsible for our, for our failing so that we can see where we can move forward, and that blind spot so um basically um, the way that you that you understand what things mean is before you even talk about a dream what do these what do these these all these things have a meaning in the subconscious of the person you're dealing with and you must meticulously take the time to extract meaning from everything in the dream even if the dreamer doesn't remember. And there are clues throughout the dream, and there is a way of learning it that can help you challenge the dreamer to look at certain experiences that are reflected in the dream in terms of themselves. So what might appear as a very mundane, boring dream about work could turn into something that reflects an entire life's failing all brought up into one small smidgen of an experience that when you look at it, it looks like just, well, maybe you ate too much pizza or you, you know, <laughs> had a bad indigestion. You know, it, it, where when you really peer under it, it opens up a whole very uh, unfortunate truth that the person would rather not hear anyway. 
but uh, a good analyst in this work can really uh, bring the intention of the dream to life. And that's the main thing. If you can keep bringing the intention of each dream, that's the lesson of the dream, then the dreams begin to change, and you start learning. Okay. Well, that's, that's well put. So we know there's a transition in how the growth process works. So we're, we're going to take a break right now, and we'll be back in just a few minutes with more from Mark and Krista about dream work. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It was a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor and sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor and sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back thanking me for my concerns and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Mark Bregman and Krista Lancaster about dream work. 
And uh, we were saying just before the break, Mark, that, that there's a transition that takes place when we are doing dream work that, um, and you tell me if I've got this wrong, but a transition that takes place that as you begin to work on the things that you don't want to see, you begin to see some things that lead you more to, in, to a deeper part of yourself that you really can accept. Absolutely, and that you'll be glad to have shown because so much of the better part of ourself is hidden under the part of ourself that we think is good but really is just a shell. Yes. Very, very well put. Very well put. Okay. So let's talk about archetypes a little bit. That word gets thrown around a little bit now. It's become sort of a common term, but a lot of people misunderstand its meaning. What, what is it? Chris, what, what is an archetype? Well, we use it in a different way from um, from the Jungians and and also from people like um, Carolyn Mace. Um, it's really simple, actually. It's uh, the archetypes for us are the are the spiritual the carriers of spiritual beingness uh, through the feminine and through the masculine through different. Um, we use the word animus for the the spiritual embodiment of the masculine. Um, the the the, gar, the guardian of of the divine coming in a form that is for us as humans because we need to have an embodiment or personification in a male form um, and the anima is not the feminine part of us that the way the the unions use that word we we describe um, again the feminine face of God if you will as the anima who comes and the, each of those sides of the divine. Um, come into our dreams and to awaken different parts of ourselves with different um, styles, really, or, or tactics. Um, so the animus will come as a, as a sort of provocative um, uh, trickster or someone, who is, someone who's coming to wake us up in ways that are sometimes annoying or terrifying. And the anima comes often as the one who who accepts and receives or creates um, a form of acceptance for the dreamer. And uh, so it, it's a tricky area because uh, people can get very involved with the gender characteristics of the animus, of the anima, the archetypes, um, whereas, in fact, it's really the, the qualities of the feminine, the qualities of the masculine that are embodied in different ways by these very particular and specific and personal figures who populate our dream life. Right. There are other archetypes. The archetypes of the father, um, the spiritual father, and the child archetype uh, is, is the soul self within us that um, is wanting to be known and um, will emerge at, a different, at different stages and times of a person's journey through their dreams, as you, as you probably know from your own work. Um, and is a source of the sort of original beingness at our core. So we've kind of simplified it in a way, um, or it, it has been presented in this way, um, and these are the words, for better or for worse, that we've taken from Jungian psychology. Okay. So that, that child um, is sort of a central theme, um, as I understand Carl Jung's work, um, the, the central theme, the Imago Dei, is the child, the birth of the divine within us. Is that how you guys also see that, or is it, am I wrong that, about that? That would, that would be true, and it also have to understand that one of the most difficult things in this work also 
is the idea of pathology. You know, Carl Jung talked about shadow, and he was pulling his punches. And in the Red Book, which I've had a chance to read a little bit of and will be coming out in December, I'm really excited about it. It's the materials that he's held back, and it's and now he says it, it, for what it is. And so some of the things I'm going to say may sound a little bit, you know, like, whoa, but Carl Jung says them. I can now say, well, see, Carl knew it too. <laughs> and that's basically the dying to self, and um, which is uh, the dying to self really is the dying of the part of the self that has protects us from our hurts and fears and such, but it's also the part that has taken over and doesn't allow the soul, the child, to emerge. The, the ego self isn't a die, but it should be a receptor, like a vessel, for the child to emerge into and through and be held by, rather than being something that protects the child. So a good example is in many dreams, a child will come, and the dreamer is always the parent. Or I'd say not always, but 80% of the time. When you are yourself the child, that is a sign that the work is going very, very deep. But often we're taking care of the child, we're rescuing the child, uh, or, or sometimes we're rejecting the uh, child. So uh, we always pat ourselves on the back, it seems. Uh, oh, you, you, you were nice to the child, or you held the child. But actually, the part that's holding the child, the you that's holding the child actually is in the way of the child's emergence. Uh, just as an example um, of how it works, I mean, obviously, if you're rejecting it, that's far worse than if you go through the stages of accepting that part of yourself. But then you have to give way to it, to its feelings, to its the things we used to have. And the irony of it is we were all that child at the age of a day or a year, five years. At some point, seemingly from 3 to 12, we, it, it, it gets lost. And... It's uh, that that part is what Chris is calling the core self. So, yes, um, the pathology is a very devious tactician that uh, morphs as ourselves. We don't even know it's even there in many cases. Some of us do know. The, we hear evil thoughts or we feel like we're going to do destructive things. But what when the pathology comes is a good thing. What, when it comes to caring, loving, um, you know, energetic, you know, one could change the world person. Well, in, more times than not, the pathology is a very wonderful thing. But in the dreams, it's doing the same thing. It doesn't want the soul to emerge. It doesn't mind being good. It can be good or bad. It just doesn't want the soul to emerge. So the rules are different here. It's, so you, it doesn't matter how good you are or how kind you are or how loving you are. If you're separated from your child self, it's still pathology. And this is, a, a granted, a, con, a controversial thing because our egos are always trying to make like, well, this is good and this is bad, and if you could just be good, then you'd be good. Mm-hmm. And you don't make hay in the dream work from that. And most clients uh, see that sooner or later that goodness doesn't bring them closer to the divine. And that's a, that's a hard thing to bring up. But. Well, absolutely. And, and I think so, many, so much, um, you know, I'm, I live in the South, and goodness is in, 
oh my goodness, goodness is uh, a real big mask here. So, you know, we absolutely, that's one of the things that several people on this show over the, over the time that I've been on the show have um, indicated is this whole duality between good and bad really does keep us from getting in touch with the soul. So, yeah, I'm real glad that you said that. I think that's been one of the most confusing things of all for us is that we think if we're just going to be good, then life is going to happen the way it's supposed to and everything's going to be glorious, and then why isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm glad that we agree. That's a good thing to agree on. It's a tough one. Yeah, it is tough because we've been raised, I mean, from whatever to, to believe that, that that's all we have to do is just be good. And, uh, of course, then we've got other identities out there that are not so good, but, you know, that's definitely one of them. So, okay. So um, the shadow, you mentioned the shadow. Um, Carl Jung refers to that as the whole of the unconscious. Is that how you see it? Well, again, I think uh, uh, Carl Jung knew of the dark mythology that's role is to keep us from ourselves. Okay. He doesn't talk about it much. He... The shadow is a term that reflects um, the other side of us. So if we're good, then it's the badness or something. But it's very vague. In the Red Book, he's more specific. Okay. And he does recognize shadow, if you will, as an inherent evil that has to be eaten, devoured, destroyed, uh, or, which is veiled for uh, dying to self, is what he's saying. Okay, okay. Okay, so we, all right, so in a practical way, um, if our listeners are, have a dream, um, and maybe you guys can, maybe Chrissy, one of you can give them an example of a dream that you've worked up or worked on that will help our, our listeners to begin to uh, be able to find their own dreams to be more accessible a little bit so that they can begin to, to look at that. Um, so we're going to do some more specifically on that after the break, but I want to just ask you right now, in a practical way, how could a dream be applicable to a daily life? And we just have a few minutes before the break, so I know this is going to be a brief answer, but... I mean, I'm trying to think of how to sum sum it up. Um, Well, it's totally applicable to daily life, but it might not be in the way that someone would think it would be. Um, ultimately, everything gets brought up. So how you are in relationship, how you are in relationship with yourself and your partner and your children and your dog will all be revealed. Um, it's hard to come up with a general way except to say that the dreams want your life to be a reflection of your inner being. And so all the issues and the places where things are not working or not congruent with that, the core of who you are, will over time be revealed. Mm -hmm. And so uh, even though the way that we're speaking about it seems esoteric and um, you're extremely conversant with this world, and for many of the listeners, you probably aren't. So after the break, I'll I'll give some examples to make it more practical. Okay, great. That'd be perfect. All right. Well, we are um, talking today with uh, Krista and Mark of North of Eden in Vermont about dream work, and we're going to be back in just a few minutes. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay. 
Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It was a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit... A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. at skillsusa.org. Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Mark Bregman and Krista Lancaster talking about dream work. Uh, You know that Authentic Living is brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, a school built to help you fulfill your dreams, to help yourself and your world. So, Krista, we were talking just before the break about uh, some examples that you might uh, give to the listening audience about how a dream might be applicable to a daily life. Okay, so I'm going to talk about my own experience, and I'm going to say for the listeners that um, this is just one dream that I had, and I'm going to tell you my first dream when I first came into the therapy room, and uh, that was with Mark, and um, I had lived um, for, the, for the five years before with my husband, then husband and our child, and another woman. And um, I'd been living in this menage a trois, and I thought that it was really okay to do that. 
and but my life was increasingly miserable. And finally, one day, I got up and left what was a really abusive situation. So I arrive um, with my one dream in the first therapy session. And in the dream, I'm in a Paris nightclub, and I'm holding a baby and um, with a good friend. And, um, and I take the baby to, to nurse the baby, and the baby explodes into rats and um, bile and skitters away into the corners, the dark corners of the nightclub. So there I was with this dream, this horrific image, and I had no idea what it meant. And um, through the hour, what really emerged was a fact that completely altered the course of my life. And, you know, if that's a day-to-day thing, I I think, you know, that counts um, because I had to face into... Um, the kind of self-hatred um, that I had, that underlay everything that I had been doing in my 20s. And I had really just thought I was the victim of very unfortunate circumstances. But there with the, a baby turning into rats and bile, um, the sort of meta, the carriers of shame and, and darkness um, and disease, I had in that moment, in that hour, to begin to face how I was living a life um, really covered with a kind of cloak of shame. And I walked out, and my day the next day was not the same because I had begun to peel back that, that layer, that shadow of um, that had occluded my being. And um, so there are times when dreams are a shocking um, arrival at some truth, and that was one of those. And there are other dreams which say it's time to leave your marriage. And I, you know, had one of those too, different marriage. But I had I had a dream where there was a radiant baby at the um, lying on a bed, and outside the window there was the ocean was rushing into the river and it was this beautiful light um, and and there was this woman this lovely woman in the river and I was at a juncture needing to leave that relationship and I knew I couldn't pick up that baby um, unless I left the marriage that I was in so those are two very sort of serious life-changing dreams that I'm letting you all know about um, which certainly affected my life tremendously and the course and the direction. Absolutely. And first I want to say thank you for sharing those uh, very personal dreams. I I really appreciate you taking the risk to do that. Um, But second, you know, that whole idea of the child being the soul, the, you know, um, the, the soul self, the beingness, as you refer to it, is, you know, it's it's so there in that dream that that one dream that you're holding a baby that's not going to be something you'll be able to nurture, and then the other one is there's this baby you've got to hold, but if you but you have to do this make this life change in order to do it. That's very interesting, very very interesting. So okay, um, so you, what you're saying basically is our dreams can give us direction if we can listen to what they're saying. But I think something, Mark, you said on the break is that we want to be really clear there's not one pat way to interpret a dream. Well, yeah, I mean, what, what um, you know, what brought, um, well, 
I mean, for example, in the dream that Krista talked about, I mean, that is not a very difficult dream to understand. Something really, uh, you know, that looked like a baby was really a rat or, or a bunch of rats. Um, so it was easy with the uh, experience that I had to show her the uh, dark side of an illusion that she had carried around about herself because the baby was not really a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really, it was pretending, it was hiding. These rats were really what was underneath this this idea of the beatific or something that was uh, was perceived uh, as an okay thing or a good thing. It really wasn't. So that was easy because there are certain dreams that just blast you with the truth. You cannot, um, you know, escape um, that kind of reality. However, um, it's a lot more subtle when you're dealing with, for example, uh, um, a man is chasing you with a knife and you're certain that something terrible is going to happen and, and, or, or dreams where you're having legitimate reactions to things and the analyst is looking at you and saying, but, but it's not that way at all. It's really, and then everything that you do is suddenly looked at from a different point of view. Um, and a lot of dreams are very, like, um, they don't look like in anything. They look just like life. But when the, a good analyst is dealing with them, they suddenly become shadowed. And you can see the dark trick in the dream, and the person begins to realize that even some of the smaller things in their outer life is actually something that carries something um, wrong about it or actions that are reactions and not understood as such. So um, a lot of times Jung, Jungians always like point to like archetypal figures, but I would say 60-70% of the dreams in stage one clients are things about everyday life. You were bringing the example, what does this have to do with everyday life? Well, so many dreams are just about everyday life. That's it, that's a starting point. Be, before you can move into more accelerated spiritual work, you first have to look at your everyday life because that's, for most of us, that's the way we can perceive where we're going wrong. But it's hard because the ego always wants to be the one that's right, and everybody else did this to us. It's the common thing. And to turn that around and look at how even the most subtlest things the dream is teaching us that, are actually catching us at our own game. So, um, and it's everything to do with our outer life, but it's um, but it's it's really about the client having to admit to things that they already believe. There's nothing wrong with them, and then they see that that oh, this behavior and is not really okay, and why isn't it? And then you peel that back, and it reveals all these other feelings underneath it that those behaviors are just sitting on top of. So it's like peeling an onion, and depending where you are in that peeling, that's where the dream, those dreams will change as you peel deeper and deeper into the deeper self. So I generally say that, generally speaking, in the earlier dreams are more about 
for most of us anyway, about everyday life. And as you go deeper in the psyche, they become more esoteric and have more archetypes in it and more things like, like that. Uh, obviously, in Chris's case, she wasn't being given too much. <laughs> I was giving cut no slack. Like they, they were done. Yeah, really. So, uh, yeah, forget the groceries. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and sometimes when we, uh, you know, uh, if I have a client that brings in a dream and says, well, I had this terrible nightmare, and they're, what they're trying to do is, is say, Let me, this dream is telling me what I'm, a, I'm a bad person. It's telling me that, you know, I'm not good enough. It, it's, it's telling me the same things I tell myself all the time. And, and very often uh, it turns out that what the dream is telling them is, is just wake up. Just wake up to who you really are. And uh, so we, they wake up in the middle of the night, and, and that's almost metaphorical for wake up. Just <laughs> well, here's the thing that when you're in those kinds of terror, terror dreams where there's fear, in this work we really understand that fear is actually, and other feelings, fear and pain and other things, sometimes the dream is actually getting trying us to wake up to these feelings. Mm-hmm. So the act of feeling terror could be a, a door to a deeper feeling, to a deeper self. And that's unpleasant in this kind of work because you're asked to feel things in dreams and then you're asked to, like, be open to those feelings in the world rather than be in the compensation or cover-up of them. So if a person is scared in their dream, um, it's not just the thing that's scaring them that may be the point. It may also be the fact that they're feeling something. And just the feeling of it and how it relates to their everyday life can be the point as well for that dream. I see. I see. Okay, so 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 many times what we want to do uh, also with a dream is to assume that it's about somebody else. You dream about your husband or your wife, and you say, "Well, that dream is telling me about them." Is that is that? Do you think that could be true in some dreams? Well, it can be in extreme cases uh, where we're in abusive scenarios, but even then, we choose people that are sometimes are abusive because. We choose that because uh, we seek abuse for whatever reason or to blame someone else, whatever. But the point is, everybody in the dream is really a part of us. And even people that we know in dreams are parts of us that just come as those persons because they represent uh, something that we're familiar with, but it really is a form of something that rolls in us. So... Um, this is hard to look at because we like to always make dark things about bad people that we don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really in dreams, you, you don't get away with that, at least not with what, the way we do the dreams, that, that 90% of the time those dark pe- people have to be looked at as things within ourselves. I do understand there are some times when, you know, the dream is saying, get out of a situation, this person is not for you. Uh, that's also true. But m- many of the time, it's not that the person is bad. It's that we make them bad or we choose that. And you see people in their lives have two, three, four, five marriages and such, and they're always stuck in the same pattern because right. they never face their own dark places. Exactly. Okay. Well, we're going to come back for our final segment, talking with Mark Bregman and Crystal Lancaster about DreamWork. We'll be back in just a moment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. 
over there? Over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at bornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It's a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit... A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's one 866 
472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with our final segment of Authentic Living, talking today again with Krista Lancaster and Mark Bregman about dream work. And I want to give our listeners a chance to just kind of know where your website, what is your website, how they can link with you, any information that's specific to your work that you'd like to share with our listeners. Okay. Well, we have a wonderful website. Um, it's, you can find us at www.northofeden.com. That's all one word, North of Eden. And um, everything that you would want to know about us is on this website. Um, it's an, an incredibly uh, rich source of information about the therapists who practice this work um, of all different um, sizes and shapes and uh, flavors, and you can really go on and find out about the therapists who do this work by reading their stories. Everyone has written about themselves. Um, you can find out about our retreats that we have four times a year at our really gorgeous retreat center in northern Vermont, um, which may sound rustic, but in fact, it's incredibly um, luxurious, and we have lots of heat. You will not be cold, even in the middle of the winter, and we have radiant maple floors and handmade beds, and it's just really, really gorgeous, and we have great food. Um, And most important, of course, is we do um, a very wonderful form of group work called string therapy. And um, basically, string therapy is a way of entering into the dream um, and and opening up the unconscious of each dreamer um, within a five-day period in a small group of brave travelers who venture into the terrain of each other's dreams. And we've done this now for, I don't know, we've done about... 20 of these retreats over a five-year period, and we consistently have, you know, full house, 60 to 70 people every retreat, and it's just an amazingly nourishing, fulfilling, um, deepening experience for the people who come, and we're just incredibly excited to be able to offer that and to have this physical space that is remote and, um, and yet incredibly nurturing on the physical level. So that's, that's something that um, when you come to us, we offer that, and we also um, now are evol- have evolved a way of, of going around the country. We just came back from Edmonton, Alberta, and um, we went with a, a team, Mark and I, and did a, a one-day workshop uh, with a great group of people and um, really brought the model of working with the string therapy, the psychodrama that we've evolved um, to this group in in Canada. So now we're just we're going to do that more and more that we've we figured out how to take it on the road. So look out for us. Um, very cool. Okay, very cool. So uh, I would really encourage our listeners to go on that website and and uh, check it out because I I was impressed with it myself and and. Uh, Lots to explore there and learn, and, uh, yeah, if you can participate in the uh, retreats, then, yeah, go for it. So, okay, we have just a few more minutes before we close out, and I want to I be sure that we've given our listeners all that we have to give them today. Um, one of the books that you wrote uh, with Susan Marie Scavo, Mark, was uh, about archetypal dream work and Rudharian astrology. Uh, 
Can you talk just a little bit about how astrology works with dream work? Is there some connection that we can make briefly there? Well, it's, it really involves around the personal work. And when I do, or any of us uh, do, a um, basically Dane Rudyard was uh, brilliant. And he figured a way to make a certain kind of astrology, not the astrology that is everybody knows about. It's, just, it's, it's uh, his version. Uh, and that uh, that relevant to Jungian uh, dreams work, and uh, I would and uh, and it works. And so I wrote a, a book on it. But he wrote a lot of books, like twenty five books, and some of them are still around. But um, they're a lot better than mine. But I just wanted to honor him, and I threw this book together uh, that uh, puts together some of the elements of the work. But the point is, if you come. To any of us, we have a chart done of the person. So not that we like, can sh- well, you like to wear, you know, pink shorts or something. It's, or you have problems with, you know, it's not to predict or ascertain the personality. It's more of a sounding board for dreams. So when you use the dreams, you look at the chart, you, un- you can understand more what the dream is, is, is telling us because the chart reveals things about the person that, may take a year to figure out just doing the dreams. And putting those two things together enhances the capability of the therapist to understand the person they're dealing with because that's the hardest thing, to understand who that person is because they don't know a lot about themselves. That's why they're going to us. So, so we use that. Can I just put the simple, simple answer in there too? Sure. Okay. <laughs> the simple answer is the chart shows a person's opening spiritually and emotionally okay. in the aspects, and that also shows the obstacle. So in a really simple way, it shows where the pathology is and where the opening to the archetypes are. So I just wanted to say that. Okay, it's, yeah. It's a really useful tool to show where things, what's possible and what's in the way. Right, right. Okay, okay. So that's clear. So, um, you know, some of our listeners might be interested in Rudharian astrology and check those books out, but also your book, Hubris of the Heavens, Archetypal Dreamwork in Rudharian Astrology. Um, okay, so I guess that means we're out of time, time now, so wow. we're going to have to close up. I hate that. I wish we could talk for another hour. We need more time, Andrea. Absolutely, we do. Amazon. <laughs> Thank you so much, both of you, for, for talking with our listeners today. And next week we're going to be talking to Trish Bishop about her book, The Question Journey, that will help you find your authentic self. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.